This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I am excited. We have a repeat offender, a guest that has come back for more, and that is Anand Jainafakar, who is the CEO and founder of UJet, which is a great platform, uh, software platform that works with a number of different systems and has an incredible client list and is in the whole customer service and experience space. Space. We're going to be talking to him about uh, AI, and he's got, gosh, quite a bit to say about the whole topic of AI and how it's being used in customer experience. So much to learn from this man. Before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements, and if you've been listening to the show, you know what they are. First, I want to thank our sponsor, who is Text Expander, an incredible productivity tool that we are using in our office that saves us literally hours of work of repeat typing and makes it so easy to store something and bring it into a document whenever we need it, especially with common questions that we get asked from our clients. We just simply uh, drop it in with a couple of keystrokes, paragraphs pop in to the emails and, and other ways we communicate with our clients. And then we just tweak it, customize it a little bit. We'll tell you more about that at the break. If you have a question or a comment or a story that you'd like to share, I would love to hear about it. All you need to do is reach out to us on any of the social media channels because I am pretty much everywhere. And if you have a question, please use the hashtag ask Shep. I'll answer the question in whatever channel you ask or maybe on uh, in my newsletter on this show or perhaps my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. Episodes can be found on Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and you can go to beamazing.tv. That's beamazing.tv and catch all of the episodes live streaming. All right, everybody, let's jump into the interview. Anand, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Shep. Good to and see you. And actually, I should say welcome back to the show. You're a repeat offender. It's been a number of years, and I believe the last time you and I were together in person, and you reminded me, we were at CCW, which is, uh, depending on how you, it was, Contact Center Week, Call Center Week, whatever, but it's all about you know creating great experiences when customers call, and you and I sat in a room together, because I believe uh, I, did, I was on your podcast. That's right. Time. That's yeah, great. it was 2019, if I remember correctly. Wow. Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. A lot has it's happened. a whole new world out there now. Well, I'll tell you what, you look better than ever. <laughs> and so do you. <laughs> well, thank you very much. All right. It's like wine. We we get better with age. I hope so. <laughs> uh, Ujet. Ujet.cx, which is the website, if anybody wants to go check it out. Ujet, gosh, uh, you've been involved in the contact center space now for how many years? You're, you're like an early adopter or pioneer in this uh, software world. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take the compliment. I think uh, I started UJet uh, July 10, 2015 is when we actually, when I actually incorporated the company. Uh, and it was started with a simple premise that uh, people communicate visually and contextually in their everyday lives, uh, arguably since 20, 2007. And uh, the only time when two humans don't communicate visually and contextually is during a conversation with a brand or a company. So like, like you started off saying that uh, CCW can be contact center week, call center week, but all of that is converging towards how do companies communicate with customers? What is the query? What is the intent? And what is the expected result? Where the, for the company, it is loyalty creation. And how do we enable that in a more human manner? So loyalty creation, that falls under the idea of let's deliver an experience that's strong enough to get them to want to come back and buy more from us or do more business with us. Absolutely. Or stay in business with us. Uh, I mean, you're the first one that has educated me over the years on how much uh, companies lose for churn due to bad customer support. If I get my numbers remotely correct, in 2014, it was in the the 40 billion range, then it ballooned in 2017 to almost 2x to the 70 billion range. And now we're over 100 billion of churn right. just because of bad customer support. So uh, what you're saying is absolutely right. There are so many options. Customers are unforgiving as they should be. They, they want to buy the best in breed. A lot of times you start off doing business with a company that is probably providing you an umbrella suite of uh, solutions, but you know what? I want to use my wireless line somewhere else. I want to use my cable somewhere else. I want to use my internet uh, provider somewhere else. And the the only factor when you have a multitude of options with uh, companies offering more or less the same services, the differentiator is customer support. The differentiation right. is how easy do you make that communication and how delightful do you make it? So, so yes, it is, it is all about customer experience for me whenever I'm choosing a business to do, uh, kind of buy products, continue to buy their next version of products and so on and so forth. You know, the uh, top three reasons that people don't do business with a company. Uh, well, actually I'll give you the top two. But really, number one is most powerful. You talk about how nothing has changed. So we do surveys every year now. We've been doing it for a number mm -hmm. of years. Um, actually, UJet was a supporter of ours about three years ago in one of our surveys. Thank you very, very right. much. You were Thank one of our sponsors. You. Thank you. Uh, and uh, what we found was the number one reason, especially as consumers, even B2B, connect with a company, typically people to people, the number one reason... Uh, somebody leaves to do business elsewhere is rudeness or apathy on behalf yeah. of that employee that works for the company. And if you go back to the 1980s, like, I don't know, what is that? 30, 40 years ago, almost 40 years now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, the study that was done by the technical assistant research program, which was commissioned by the white house office of consumer affairs under uh, the old man, George Bush's uh, presidency, uh, they found out, they did a study, and they 70 some odd percent of customers leave because of rudeness or apathy. That's the number one reason. Here we are yeah. almost 40 years later, and it's still the same. I mean, you think we would have still figured it out by now. It, it's shocking. And if you if you allow me, I'd like to double click on a few of them. I made the two or three mental notes. Uh, you talk about the, the 80s and the 90s. Customer experience was very different back then. 
Uh, and that actually points towards some of the evolution of the traditional legacy stacks that are still shockingly in play today, where the the construct of the communication that you're having with a business is picking up the phone, picking up a catalog and asking if that product is an inventory for the Christmas catalog and shipping. That was the origin of how people communicated with businesses back then, because there's not much choice. Right. And it was phone or send a letter and hope you get something back in two or three. Exactly. And phone was the more expeditious way because you wanted to get that for your family for Christmas or Thanksgiving. So I think those origins have become non-innovative bad habits today where people still expect that there is a moat around their business and all people are going to call in for is like, okay, how do I continue to do business with you? And it's a privilege. It's actually an honor to have a customer, whereas there's a sense of entitlement where people are like, where are they going to go? This is the only product and service they have. So that's the kind of first mental note that I made. The second one is um, the rudeness and um kind of attitude being the number one reason why people don't do uh, business with a company. Let's think about that a little bit. Uh, customer service professionals and customer service representatives that are the face of the brand product or service for someone that is calling in for a tough situation and trying to solution it. These are young professionals. They're digitally acquainted, I would argue, borderline obsessed with these smart devices. Right. That's Very technologically advanced compared to super us. Advanced. Yep. It's second nature to, to text before you talk, almost. Uh, you're taking that group of young professionals, training them on a stack that was designed 20, 30 years ago, which they'll never use in their lives. And then putting them in a sticky situation to solve a problem with the customer. They cannot use their senses of visual and contextual information gathering. And you're saying, okay, solve that uh, smart thermostat wiring for me. It's a recipe for disaster. And the rudeness comes from a sense of inability to solve that issue. And uh, not just rudeness, but apathy, right? I mean, it's you might be superficially trying to empathize, but you're just in a situation where you're not armed with components that you use to solution your, with your friends and family in everyday life. So that is what we feel is still missing in a lot of these stacks. And that's why we started off with uh, uh, the visual and contextual communication, whether even if you call in with an IVR, you got to have blended SMS at least so that you can. Right, there's a lot of initials there. IVR, right. interactive virtual response system. You push one for this, two for that, three for that's that right. or whatever. That's a very basic example. <laughs> It's a stimulus response system, which can never be retrofitted for cloud or mobile. It just will not work because the, the cognitive ways, the, the motor skills that have changed over the years. You're not looking for a haptic feedback on your phone anymore. Uh, so it, so I think those were kind of the two main ones. And, and, and then the third one, which you kind of pointed out, is that... Um, the, the the number one reason, number two reason, number three reason, these these largely come from uh, the inability to just understand the customer. And in the end user persona, we, we try to focus a lot on how do we make it second nature for the two communicating parties. We already spoke about the agent and the smart actions that they can use to gather uh, in an automated manner, in an accurate manner, visual and contextual information, but also for the end user to use 
natural language to describe the issue because they're not going to be able to say, hey, my smartwatch is not connecting because my Bluetooth Mac address is having is not registering or something like that. Right. They, yeah, that's they pretty. Just, uh, most people don't talk that way. And because then they would be socially unaccepted. <laughs> uh, but but we need to make it easy for them. And a part of my professional upbringing is like technology should disappear in the background. And uh, I learned this at, at, at Jawbone. I attribute, as you know, Shep, my professional upbringing for scale security uh, and a lot of other things to, to Motorola, which I worked at more than seven years, and to my user experience. And technology should definitely disappear in the background, and people shouldn't talk in a manner where they need to know all details of it. And I, I attribute that to, to the, the upbringing at Jawbone. Taking that furthest, right, this is a great example where someone should use natural language saying, like, hey, I bought a new phone, I reinstalled the image just by utilizing the, the process that I had been offered, but now I see the device on my Bluetooth list, but I can't connect to it. And then you take that information, translate that into the technological term, what needs to be fixed, re-register, repairing the device, and that's what we should be providing, whereas we're stuck with IVR systems and deflection mechanisms, which further infuriates the customer. And then that energy only gets reflected back by these uh, agents. Well, that last comment is a perfect segue into our next topic, which is the big topic I want to talk about. And I'm going to give everybody a hint as to what we are going to talk about. Then we're going to take a quick break and come right back and do that. And that is this whole concept of AI, chat GPT, uh, open AI, generative uh, learning. And, and uh, if I said that right, <laughs> but this is powerful because everything you're talking about, being able, me as a lay person to say, hey, I can't get my phone to Bluetooth connect with my car have the computer listen to that, know exactly what I mean. Even if I say it a hundred different ways, it knows exactly right. what I mean and comes back and gives it to me in a way I would understand it. We're going to talk about all that and much more when we come back. Don't go away. Let's talk about Text Expander, a tool that allows your team to eliminate repetitive typing with just a few keystrokes. Anything you type over and over, such as customer responses, will be at your team's fingertips so they have the power to do what they do best, just faster. Quickly reply to emails and chats from a library of responses that you create, completing answers to common questions and issues. Your entire team stays on the same page with the same common responses that can be personalized on the fly. And it's simple to use. Type commonly used content into a text expander snippet and give it an abbreviation of just a few letters and symbols. Share the snippet with the team. When you type the abbreviation, it triggers the snippet and the content expands anywhere you type, including email, chat, or social media. It's that easy. Just go to www.textexpander.com to learn more about this amazing and productive tool. Sign up for a year and get 20% off. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Anand Jone Falkar, and he is the CEO and founder of UJet. And, uh, you know, be, be, right before I, I, we got off, I said we're going to talk about AI and ChatGPT. I don't, we're going to talk about that. I just want to follow up, and you made a statement that I think is so powerful. It's worth repeating. You actually repeated it twice, but let's give it a third time. The technology should disappear in the background. Boom. 
tweetable moment, stick it on Instagram. This is for everybody to know. Yeah, I mean, that is purely my design philosophy in life. Uh, I've painfully learned in my career that best product, the best technical product doesn't normally win. It is because it is too complex and it needs too much to implement and the adoption becomes a challenge. So a great example is smartphones, right? The reason why all of the demographics, arguably all of the demographics and all of the age groups love using that as their portal to the information highway is because it is extremely easy to use. You do not have to read a manual to do it and technology just disappears in the background. No one needs to tell you there's an accelerometer with nine MEMS the, the axes that you turn it in landscape mode and that's when you get a bigger screen and the screen rotates. No, it just becomes natural extension of how would you look at a printer paper. The unlocking system, which is similar to like how you would unlock a lavatory on an airplane. It, it is just too human. And that is what makes for good uh, products and services to be adopted. So that is why I feel that um, uh, the way we design our products and systems have just incredible adoption uh, with minimal training on, on the end user persona and the agent persona. And we, we continue to customize those for the admin persona, which have their own muscle memory that they've developed with their expertise with systems over the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. The one word that comes to mind in hearing you talk about this is intuitive. Yes. Uh, everything has to be intuitive today. I remember when I first got my uh, mobile phone, I can't remember what it was, um, but I, I eventually graduated to a BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. um, and then from the BlackBerry, I went to the iPhone. Um, and I remember just struggling because it was so different than the BlackBerry, which was so different than whatever I had before. And then um, I called up and I'm talking to the Apple rep and he gave me a sentence that I'll never forget. He said, I want you to love this phone so much. And I'm going to stay on the phone, our, you know, our call that we were on until you feel this way. He goes, I want you to love it so much that you're willing to step in front of a bus to save your iPhone. And I thought, I said, I will do that, especially if the bus is going in reverse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't that a cool line to say? And uh, It totally is. I mean, that's why they have a cult-like following. Now, uh, I would probably tone it down a little bit when I talk about the products and experiences that we would like to create. But, but you're absolutely right. It needs to be intuitive. And I mean, we've taken the first step of making things visual, contextual, and how you communicate with friends and family. But when you talk about natural language processing, you talk about AI, especially from a context of uh, companies communicating with their customers, it needs to feel like you're explaining something just like you would explain to, I don't know, your your spouse, your cousin, your 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 family member, or your friend. And then that take that input is gathered, and then the the intelligence and automation kicks in, which steers you towards uh, a, a solution. And by the way, this this steering can involve a human, uh, and the, the AI needs to make some of the mechanical tasks, the gathering of information, the different data dips, because there's information in several different stacks behind the scenes. Just make it pretty much um, transparent and automatic. Right, um, and that way, that agent, when they finally do actually communicate, talking human to human, uh, they have everything they need at their fingertips to deliver the best service experience possible. All right, let's jump to 
this whole concept of AI and how it's impacting the customer experience. Uh, yeah. So many brands are excited about it. They're excited about generative AI, which is the ability mm -hmm. for this machine to grow and learn and learn and learn and more. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? There, there's a lot I can go into and a lot to describe. Yeah, yeah there, there is definitely a lot. And uh, that that is not an exaggeration. Uh, but, uh, you know, I feel AI has been a fairly abused term in the last few years. Uh, what has happened recently, it's actually come to life in terms of its abilities. And people are not just talking about like photo stitching and understanding few phrases in certain dialects as AI. I mean, that that has certain machine learning models to it. Uh, but uh, what we've really seen the ability of AI is just kind of upon us. And it is going to get further enhanced with these large language models which make the training process and everything even more easier. It's almost going to be minutes instead of today, but it could be hours or maybe days. Um, but starting off, uh, very basic, right? Uh, we touched upon needs to be natural conversation. So conversational AI, is there's a reason for that term. It needs to feel like a normal conversation. It needs to understand what you're trying to say without having to ask you further many times. Uh, what's behind the scenes is there needs to be an, a great number of training phrases, which translate into intents. And uh, in addition to that, and not a lot of people talk about this, it needs to be responsible. We really need to have responsible AI because we can't just let it go into free form and start like threatening customers. If you if you stop using the service, you're going to get a surcharge. Right, I mean, right. imagine if you say that. This well, is that's, how, and how do you prevent that from happening? Is it keeps learning more and more and more? It, it's going. It's bound to say something that's going to one day become offensive. You um, containerize it and have responsible AI as one of your pillars of how you're designing the system. Um, don't throw any and all information that you can uh, get your hands on into a training model. Don't say like this is going to just be become a public property that anyone can touch on. I mean, understanding sentiment, understanding uh, vocabulary. You can take a lot of the publicly available data sets, but obfuscate and anonymize them and then put them into parts of your, your training data. But then again, you containerize it, you make it specific to your business, tune it for uh, proper intent gathering as well as proper phrases that make sense. Have the sentiment translation into when if it does get into a situation where it's confrontational that the human agent that's brought in for the experience, empathy and uh, intelligence understands that from the get go and um, just starts off the conversation to, with, with empathy and tries to salvage the situation. Um, but it, it, it's really about how you're treating uh, the the tuning of the, the AI, the algorithms that you're going to use. I think that's one part. The second part really is that it needs to be omnipresent in, in your platform. Uh, a lot of times I hear like, oh, we have this platform where you do a handoff to AI. And I'm like, okay, that's that's kind of strange because to I me, would think it's the other way around. Yeah, uh, or or do a hand in uh, to AI. Both of them to me are are kind of strange because you're basically admitting that your stack is so old that it cannot coexist with the AI stack. Uh, a lot of times for us, like AI just manifests itself differently when the query starts. When the query starts, AI manifests itself in calculating estimated wait time, calculating what is the best edge routing location for this 
customer service representative that might be providing service in, in the English language, but is based in Bogota, Colombia or Manila, Philippines. Um, then taking that and manifesting itself in understanding key phrases and calculating sentiment and then flagging any maybe swear words are used and understanding why that needs to be flagged and which team that needs to be escalated to or give a signal for barging by a supervisor. Then right. it manifests itself into summarization and how this can be used towards disposition and reducing handle time, reducing after call work, which a lot of people don't focus on, shockingly. And then also making it auditable. What if this is a claim um, uh, call where the, the claims are... Uh, they're they're going through a claims discussion and it it really there's a follow-up call which is uh contradictory to the discussion that was had so the claims appraiser needs to have that information and the audit people need to have so it manifests itself in different ways but there's really no hand in or hand off and uh at the end of it the ai should and the the natural language a machine should manifest itself as a survey. We're like, how was it? Like, do you feel that you got good service over here? Would you, uh, do you want to go ahead with the claim? Should I connect you to a, a different, or do you want to sign up with this wealth management account? So to me, those are kind of the two aspects that are still blurry in a lot of the AI conversations I hear. Uh, but I'm totally with everyone that the the table stakes are the natural language. And then the training models moving over to LLMs and being containerized would probably put a little more kind of proper boundaries and responsibility around the training materials, which today being so new could really go haywire. Right. And there's another set of initials, LLM. Large language models. Large uh, language models. And essentially what there's, there's a couple of words that I come to mind that kind of simplify what you're talking about is, you know, is, is this language model intuitive? On the, on the side of the software to be able to understand what a customer really wants. Is it, right. does it recognize this customer isn't getting what they want? They're obviously angry. They're using cuss words or swear words. Uh, they're using certain phrases and those are keys or triggers that automatically route it now to a human to take over. Um, and no doubt, I think it's so strong. And you know, we're running out of time and, and I think we've barely, barely scratched the surface of what's out there. Uh, obviously, UJet is on the, the leading edge of this. And uh, uh, is that the right word? Leading edge, bleeding edge. Uh, but you're at the edge of uh, yeah. on the forefront of understanding all of this. And you have been since I've known you for the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, if there's one last thought you would like to leave us with related to this topic of AI and the importance and the impact on the customer experience, what would that thought be? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you asked that because I, I think that this should be thought provoking for a lot of people. Uh, and if you look around, uh, AI is more powerful with text and images, generative AI. If you're looking at a lot of these companies that are getting valued over billions of dollars, and the generation of this is more powerful with, with text and uh, images and speech is catching up very, very quickly. However, Thinking about that and translating that into providing methods for your uh, customers to communicate visually and contextually becomes even more powerful. So I'll leave you with that thought. And uh, yeah, please visit us at ujet.cx. Uh, yeah, ujet.cx. And I'll just say that, you know, Moore's Law, when it came to the microchip, uh, I believe, said that every two years the power will double. 
I believe this is going to make Moore's Law look like Skippy the Punk. The way everything is growing so fast, I believe the capabilities are going to double monthly, maybe totally. even maybe even faster than that. Yeah, it, it will. And as a as a student of history, uh, in addition to Moore's Law, I also know that the the sayings like a, a picture speaks a thousand words. This it is true, and a, a video speaks a thousand pictures. So taking that together, adding the intuition and cognitive abilities of humans and their uh, kind of social analytical ways of how they they go about things is going to get brought to the forefront with AI. And I'm super excited to be in the midst of it. I think I am as well. And I think everybody who's listening, I think you can't disagree that this guy Anon is one smart dude and he is sharing his wealth and of information with us. And this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thanks for being on the show again. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. We will be back next week with another interview. And until that time, this is Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.